Hey friends, Coach Shelby with Coach Christine. We're excited to have you join us for Time for French Quick Bites Edition, where you can grab your miles with a side of smiles, take them on the run midday, in the afternoon, or even a late night snack attack. So whether you are busting a move out on the roads or busting a move in your car, we are excited because with fall racing season hot on the heels of the sizzling hot summer, we're gonna tackle another series that'll take us around the world. No frequent flyer miles needed, at least for this series. That's right, we're gonna tackle the World Marathon Majors. While over on the website, we have blogs all the way there with all the tips and tricks, how to individualize the races, get the best training practices, and including a race-specific workout. We're gonna tackle some more of the fun aspects on each of the races here on the show. And while we chatted about the first three majors taking place in the fall season, we're gonna grab our passports and say konnichiwa to the first major of the spring season, Hello Tokyo, which this one's a, a little bit closer to your heart at the moment, I feel like. Well, it was the last one that I tackled. Uh, I don't know if it's closest to my heart or a little, let's just say it will always have a special place just because of how <laughs> potentially challenging the entire process was. But I think that this specific race is usually one that we hear a lot of the folks that are pursuing the six stars. They end up with Tokyo as their last one because it can be a little difficult to get into. It could obviously have more of a cost involved or at least for folks that are coming from North America and Europe so or South America anybody who's over and um, that doesn't have to necessarily cross the international date line maybe a little tackle Tokyo a little bit quicker but for us folks so let's get right to it with the Tokyo Marathon history it was the newest to addition to the World Marathon majors but the first Tokyo Marathon was held on 18th of February 2007 so in the world of these marathons, it's no doubt that it's it's kind of, it's new and shiny. Um, prior to 2007, the Tokyo Marathon actually consisted of two separate marathons, which I found fascinating and now makes so much more sense, which was the Tokyo International Marathon, which took place on even years. And then the Tokyo New York Friendship International Marathon, which took place on odd years. In the inaugural year of 1981, both marathons, both marathon, can't speak. Both marathons took place. However, because it was not possible to support two marathons a month apart in the same city, from 1982, the alternating format went into effect. And then, of course, in 2007, they're like, let's just make them happen together. Right? Right? Because that sounds so confusing. How do you even keep track of that? I had to reread it about four different times because I'm like, wait, odds and evens. I'm like, is this like the modern day Olympics where we're going to yeah. just switch off? I'm like, I can't, I can't too you, much. Figure. You know what cracks me up about that entire little history was like, this makes so much sense with Tokyo. Like it really of all of the races, the fact that this in of itself, even its history being a little confusing makes a lot of sense. But again, what I find really interesting is that we all heard about 2020, right? The world shut down with COVID and Tokyo was the first of the majors to be truly impacted because it was the closest to the actual declaration of the pandemic. Um, it was a little bit before the global pandemic had actually been declared, but still they had to make some really big decisions very, very quickly. So kind of all the world marathon majors looked to Tokyo as to what they were doing. And at that 
point, they decided to hold the 2020 race only for the elites, breaking the hearts of all of the folks that had been training. And of course, even breaking the hearts of folks that were already there in Tokyo, getting started to, um, you know, do all the great race week preparations. But what's really interesting about it is that they consider the 2020 race as still being held. So it took place, but they're saying that they didn't have a 2022 race because the 2021 Tokyo Marathon was postponed to October of that year, but then again to March 6th. So essentially, if you ran it in March 6th of 2022, you ran the 2021 marathon and then they canceled 2022. I feel like they were like, it's not confusing. In 2007, we tried making it simple. So in 2022, we're just going to make it really freaking difficult because as you're talking, (laughs) my head goes, wait, right? Two plus the one, carry the four. I don't really know. Let's just say the entire structure got thrown off Mm -hmm. and now we're back to quote unquote normal because it's anything ever really normal. So you, what year technically does your medal say? So that's another thing that I think that happened. I think they started to shy away from putting actual years on any of the product because they weren't sure if the marathon (laughs) was going to take place. So my medal does have 2023, but no other product. Their shirt, um, actually their shirt does say it, but they, they give away this really famous like bathrobe blanket thingy after the race. It didn't have the year on it. A lot of their pamphlets seemed to be hesitant. They were very hesitant to spend a lot of money on product that maybe would no longer actually take place. Because again, we were kind of, uh, the, the world was waiting as to if Tokyo would take place for the general entry of folks. So it was it was an interesting one. Um, but again, it was still, still, you know, a world marathon major is still very exciting. But what I find another interesting fact about this is that it's the only world marathon major that, again, that I know of that has another race taking place the exact same day because they actually run the 10K during the marathon, which, again, blows my mind. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I think more races should do that because logistically, I mean, I don't know how it is in Tokyo, but I'm thinking just here in the U.S., like with permits and street shutting down, it makes more sense just to really inconvenience one day versus all of the different days, all of the different events. I prefer it that way. So you nailed it. You used the exact word that I would say expresses the culture. So girl, you're ready for Tokyo. Inconvenience. They are very, very a, a culture who prizes not inconveniencing others. So yes, that is likely part of it, not just the permits, but inconveniencing the structure of the city and the fact that it does need to get shut down for such a big race. So I'm sure that that is part of it. I do know that smaller races tend to have multiple distances. Um, it was really weird from a perspective of running the majors and not experiencing that in any of the other ones. But still, I, I do find it fun that they still kind of took markers of both of these alternating races that kind of make up the Tokyo Marathon and express like put it into that one weekend because they actually do have the friendship run still. It's just a shakeout run that they have the day before. So let's talk about the other things that make this race unique. Which hit me, hit me up. I feel like this is this is because it was your last star to get. I feel like this is your episode to just I, I don't, spew it I all. Don't know. Yeah, I feel like you've got you you did some you've got some great research and um, little information that you can throw our way as well. I will say the friendship run. If you can snag your spot for the official shakeout run through the friendship run, absolutely do it. I was 
I did snag a spot for 2020. Of course, that didn't take place for regular humans, just the elites. Um, but I was not able to get that for this past year, which was a little bit of a bummer because I do love the official shakeout runs. And I love the fact that you, when you look at the shakeout runs, Globally, they tend to have a, just a, a little bit more of a fun flair. People come together. I even love the name of it. Friendship Run just sounds so amazing. I was um, going to say, is there any like, not gimmicks, but because it's called the Friendship Run, is there any special anything interjected or is that completely a missed opportunity they need to hire us as their PR agent? Yeah, they do have quite a few cultural experiences that they attach to the Friendship Run. So at the end of the Friendship Run in years before COVID, and hopefully we'll start to see them bringing this back as they continue to feel more confident of having, well, actually, I think that it was officially uh, all of the extra measures that they had put into place have officially now gone away. So after you're done with your friendship run, you get to experience some of the cultural experiences that they have. Again, 2023 being a little bit different, while they had these cultural experiences, you still have to get a reserve a ticket. In previous years, it wasn't quite so difficult to snag them. So we'll have to see how it continues to unravel for you folks that maybe are tackling Tokyo Marathon in 2024. But the cultural experiences range from tea ceremonies with Maiko and Geisha to origami. So there's something for everybody. I feel like you would totally be in the origami workshop. I would totally be in the origami workshop. I would love to make like an entire marathon display with different or different origami. Ooh, that would be so cool. And I, you know, again, I didn't get an opportunity to snag these spots. So I don't know what kind of origami they created, but I still think it's super awesome. So I think again, for most of us coming in from Westerners um, or foreigners, this is very unique to this specific host country. I can't think of again, any other of the world's marathon majors that have these type of really um, individual, really like authentic to that culture kind of experience. So I will say if I ever do Tokyo though, I want to do the river cruise. You will? I love exploring. I mean, okay. granted, I'm a water baby. I grew up around the water on the water. And you've said it before. There's something really special about seeing the cities from different perspectives. And mm-hmm. I think seeing it from the water, it's so pure. Yeah. Because you really you have no choice but to really immerse yourself. Like when you're in a car, you're trying to be safe and everything. When you're on a boat or a cruise, whatever you want to call them, to be able to see the city from that perspective, it almost is like you're looking at a globe or from like a looking glass. And I I mean, this is what the third or the fourth major that has some sort of water yeah. boat component. They do. I mean, that's what's fascinating about most of the majors is that they have this really special kind of unique way of seeing the city, saving your legs before the race. I think that they all have a major waterway. Um, we're going to hear a little bit more about another major that has a different way of seeing the city though, but I would definitely take advantage of that as well. And I think what makes this architectural or this boat tour a little differently is that their big highlight is the amount of bridges that they have in their city. Um, Interestingly enough, you don't really run over bridges. I was just about to say, I'm like, you just don't want to run them, but they're beautiful to look at. Yes. So you get to like see all of the very different architectural components of these different bridges because they are very unique. So definitely add that to your list, Coach Shelby, if Tokyo so happens to call your name or call on your heart to make that happen. Um, (laughs) Never say never. uh, Oh, girl, I could see you doing it. 
I could. I think you would actually love the very fact that we were talking about this for less than five minutes and you're like, oh, I could see why that would work because you don't want to inconvenience people. And I'm like, girl, that this is your culture. They're all that's, about not inconveniencing folks. No, no, no. That's just my anxiety. Let's get it right. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever the case may be, um, let's talk about anxiety. And one of them may be the fact that you really, really, really need to map out your starting corral location. Oh, please um, tell us more about this. More Christine. so than any of the other majors, they have some interesting routes to get to your starting corral that isn't necessarily quite so easy for folks that maybe have the language barrier. So mapping out that starting corral, really feeling like you could retrace your steps, even blindfolded may be the best bet. And I saw a myriad of folks doing that and I thought I had done it, but maybe got a little too cocky and self-assured and didn't realize the vast amount of human beings that would cover all of the places that I thought that I would actually use as my checkpoints to kind of get to the starting corral. So definitely map out your starting corral. Maybe even this is a great time, like uh, map my route, or if you could even do like a relive or anything like where you garment and you kind of study it so that in the morning of the race you know exactly how to get to it some starting crowds there's some pain behind those eyes why <laughs> why does this seem to uh hit a little bit of a cord let's unpack this shall i we? think this was the only time i broke all of the rules in tokyo and was not afraid of getting thrown in like i don't know a japanese jail where i ran through the streets that had been barricaded to try to find my starting corral um, and then, of course, don't lose your fuel in the process of doing that. So, oh, wait. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. interesting. Please, please tell us more. Oh, when you're running word. and jumping over barricades, yeah, you, you may lose wait. your fuel. Does this mean that officially I could do track and field because I was able to run over the barricades? I mean, like I like ran over hurdles. <laughs> I mean, if there were puddles, then you're in like steeplechase territory. So maybe. I didn't realize that I'm going to give myself a big round of applause, a pat on the back, because I officially entered my first track and field event. And, you know, I walked away with a medal, so I'm going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have not heard that story, you're going to have to go to go back and listen the to yeah, that one. Tokyo Marathon recap. But right now we're going to make it all about you guys, which is I feel confident you're not going to lose your fuel. So don't worry, you'll be fine. Um, but at the time of this recording... Tokyo is the most populated city in the entire world with a population of, I can't even say this number, it's so big, 37.2 million people. Is that right? Like that's I mean, almost 40 million people. As a bad, I had to like, I had to count the numbers and then take yeah. the commas. <laughs> but in the fact that the most parts of the city are shut down, it does make you think of the logistical nightmare that probably ensues not only for us racers but mm -hmm. the people that actually live there and I think that's why they're probably I mean not only from a cultural standpoint but why they're so strict on the checkpoint times which I know you experienced firsthand and I remember that was the biggest hurdle for most of the runners in the different boards that we're on and the different groups is it's like balloon ladies, but extra. Yeah, it's like balloon ladies in reverse because you actually have quite a bit of a long time to finish the race, seven hours. So I think that tends to lull folks into complacency. Like, oh, I can nail that. 26 miles in seven hours is no big deal. However, this first part of the race, probably about the first half marathon, 
um, with the several checkpoints along the way. Some of them require a sub 14 minute mile. And again, you know, if you're like mid pack, back of the packer, especially depending on where your starting crawl is, where it is not necessarily a 14 minute, it's not, you don't get from the last person who crosses the, the start line like some other races. They start that clock the minute that the first runner leaves the start line and they've got their big, beautiful psycho um, sponsored clocks at these checkpoints and with lots of people ready to sweep you and close that area. And although I didn't personally um, fall behind any of the checkpoints, I was very, very lucky that I had had a a strong training season. So even with the injury, um, was able to get through them. It was still a concern that played into it. And I did see folks that did fall behind it. And it, it does make it something that you have to really take into consideration. So as a coach, I think it's safe to say we both would recommend, especially for a mid to back of the pack runner, employing a positive split mentality and training system versus the normal go-to of the negative split, which basically, if you're not familiar with the terminology, a positive split is you're going to start out faster Mm -hmm. and go into the more conservative paces paces as you go to give yourself a buffer, hence positive versus the negative, which we employ, I would say nine out of 10 times. Yeah, 99% of the time. And we would also, I would say, yes, we would totally love for you to be able to get negative splits in this race as well. It just depends at where you're at, what your training season looked like. But in that mid to back of the pack, yes, more than likely a positive split strategy would behoove the individuals to be able to make it through those checkpoints. That's a funny word, behoove. I say it a lot, but it just struck me as funny. And I <laughs> I had to go off on a little side tangent. Anyway, back on, because we still want you to enjoy. While we go right. into all of these different factors, you got to have that little bit of levity. You need to be able to go off track and have some fun with it. Right. So I know that you did your fair share of sightseeing, even with your toe in tow. Um, yeah. What was your favorite? Oh, goodness. I love taiko drums. Who doesn't love taiko drums? I mean, it's like a battle cry or a, a rallying cry reminding you to push forward. So I think that's something that you see in a couple of majors, but feels much more, um, it feels special, obviously, since it's the home of the taiko drum there in Japan. Of course, getting to see a broad range from really modern to some really hearkening to earlier years, like with the Imperial Palace and I'd love the Inari Temple. Oh, so beautiful. I think um, just the architecture that, again, we don't have here, mm-hmm. or at least my local area, we don't have a lot of older architecture. And it because of the cultural structures of everything, yep. I, I would definitely want to see the Imperial Palace. I still love the stranger danger aid stations that were there for the record. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> it was very interesting because of course the products that were being handed out are so different again from a Westerner a foreigner's perspective. Um, the candies were not as sweet. Uh, the, even the Coca-Cola wasn't necessarily as sweet. So very, very interesting. So build those in. And of course that Godzilla head always kind of cracks me up too. Uh, I love that you get to celebrate at the end at the Imperial Palace. And I mean, you know, I love my coffee. So the Imperial Palace Starbucks is something that I definitely would suggest for folks. Is that where you got my coffee mug? 
I think so, actually. I've gotten yeah. so many compliments on every different Zoom that I've had that coffee mug. Everybody it, loves it. It it's is so it's, cute. It's a really pretty one because, again, you're also getting to usually be there at a time where it's a little early for cherry blossom season. But um, if you can build that in afterwards and your budget allows, there are you could take the incredible train system and travel around the country and maybe even go a little bit further south to see some of the cherry blossoms. Or maybe you're lucky and it was a warm season and you're seeing cherry blossoms. But if you want to go to... Mount Fiji or Kyoto, definitely I would suggest to build that in. And that's what makes this one of the really unique experiences. But let's talk about what you know, what it's on everybody's mind is the food. I feel like Team Savory reigns supreme. I I feel feel like like at Tokyo would be my place to eat. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, for all, if you're a pescatarian, Tokyo is your jam. Like you can't get much better. And they have like what? 422 Tokyo restaurants that are featured in the Michelin Guide. Um, the food in me. And like, I I don't do raw sushi, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's probably the one place that I would maybe dabble after the race, because again, not going to chance anything. But even, I've not, a, I've never had ramen, which is probably shocking, but I didn't go to college, so I never had like the broke dorm room ramen foods. Their ramen's but, a little different. I would assume so. I would assume so. I do believe that unless if it's a vegetarian ramen, that maybe that would be tough for most folks since it is a very pork-based broth or beef-based broth for the most part. But um, yakitori, where it's like meat on a stick and it's kind of a little bit of a street food. I love that. Of course, there's, I mean, there's just so many phenomenal, very specific to that area, um, mentioned katsu, and even seeing some of the restaurants where they all kind of like put out in um, these little like boards with pictures of the food or kind of like almost like a epoxied version of what the food looks like. Mm-hmm. It's all very delectable. Picture you menu. Know, yeah, a picture menu. And you know that I also... Um, experienced the 7-Eleven and uh, the McDonald's, which were very different than our version. So I would definitely, and KFC's super popular there as well. Oh, didn't, oh, what was it? Wasn't KFC the official yep. food for Christmas? Yes. Wasn't it? That was yes. Tokyo. Yes. KFC's super popular Again, there. Again, the random things I remember. Now, I thought that Team Sweet would not find anything there. But boy, was I wrong because they have Moki and I don't know how I'm pronouncing that correctly. And Mochi, Moki. But anyway, Boba Tea, uh, Kit Kats are super popular in every possible variety that you didn't even know existed from matcha double berry to, uh, I don't know, like butter Kit Kat. Um, but I will say they have lots of sweet crepes. I saw sugar glazed strawberries every single place. Again, food on a stick was very popular. And Tokyo Banana, which I have to wonder, do you think that that's where Gwen Stefani got her banana song from? I mean, it is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-N. <laughs> yes. I say I that's, that's the only reason I know how to spell banana. Uh, well, thank you, Gwen Stefani, for helping us all <laughs> spelling banana. And it gave me my first curse word as a kid too. So, you know, double oh whammy. <laughs> but I I would do, I, I don't know if it's mochi or mochi, um, but I would love some authentic mochi. Uh, well, I would say their pastries were phenomenal. They had some of the best pastries I think I've ever experienced. Bread was delicious. So definitely, um, I will say that 
Do not worry about food. There is food aplenty in the land of the rising sun. But now let's make our way to what if you're in training or you're starting to gear up for training or you want to get super jazzed about your race. What movies should you watch or documentary? And I know that I'm probably going to get a lot of slack for this. But lost in translation, (laughs) while no running at all, is exactly how I felt the entire time that I was there. Um, The people are friendly. The country is beautiful. The culture is incredible. But I did feel a bit of an isolation and a lot does get lost in translation. Even (laughs) like the um, eat as much as you care or drink as much as you care. There was a lot of restaurants that offered like, here, drink as much as you'd like. Well, like they have time limits. They have things to do. They want you in and out. So don't be like lingering. Like it was the complete opposite of traveling through Europe where in Europe they want you to linger and enjoy yourself. And Tokyo, I felt like, let's get out. Let's Slam get going. Slam it and run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like if you're not running the marathon, well, maybe you should sign up and get out of our restaurant. Yes. I can't blame them. I don't like people lingering. You get in, get in, get your good, get out. I feel like a little bit of both. Like I am, I'm probably a Goldilocks, a little bit in between feels right for me. So like in, I think in, what was it? Vienna, I got in trouble for not lingering sufficiently where I got chased down by the restaurant manager asking me if they did something wrong. And in Tokyo, they're like, you are lingering way too long. So let's get out of here. So I feel like I'm a little (laughs) bit of in between. (laughs) So apparently don't travel with Christine, everybody. I mean, I'm a Goldilocks. Everything has to be just right. I'm sure that Bell Culturals love that. Yeah, for sure. Now, if we want a running movie set in Japan to get you inspired, Running Brave, fair uh, disclaimer, I have not seen this. It's the story of Billy Mills, and it's about the Tokyo Olympics in 1964. And I went on to kind of do a little bit of a research and fascinated by this story. It was about one of the greatest Olympic upsets because Billy was virtually unknown going into the event. He was the first non-European to win the Olympic event and remains the only winner from the Americas. Um, He was a U.S. Marine and he hails from, he's a member of the Oglala Sioux tribe. I hope I have that correctly. And he's gone on to win a bazillion awards and recognized for his efforts and um, really just making the running community recognize the wonderful Native American contributions. So I I think think he's pretty fascinating. So really want to make that a to-do on my list of things to watch. That's your rest day movie. Yeah, totally. So (laughs) friends, you've got got movies galore. Um, But with that said... We want to hear all about you. If you're training for Tokyo, let us know. We want to cheer you on. We want to send you maybe a cherry blossom um, hair ornament so that you can like be ready for your friendship run or whatever the case may be. Don't forget, folks, we are celebrating our anniversary all month long. So become a monthly Time for Brunch Plus supporter at any level during this exclusive anniversary anniversary month and you get an exclusive anniversary gift. Each support level has unique cream offerings, so head over to Time for Brunch website or use the link in your episode notes. Join us again with Time for Brunch. We have so much fun this entire month coming your way for our long run edition that drops on Friday or come back for the midweek quick bites where we're going to head back to the U.S. in quest of our magical unicorn. Regardless of when or where, we're going to keep serving up more miles with a side of major smiles.